Welcome to the Mimi B Podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and this podcast is designed to help you become the best version of yourself possible. This podcast will motivate you and give you the tools that you need to get to where you want to be. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mimi B Podcast. I'm so excited for you to listen to these episodes uh, with Kelly Levesque today. Just to let you know, as you could probably see, this is part one of my series with her. Make sure to go check out part two after you listen to this one. It is amazing and I'm super, super pumped for you guys to meet Kelly. She's the best. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, I am super excited for today's episode. Today we have Kelly Levesque on the podcast. Kelly Levesque is a holistic nutritionist, wellness expert, and celebrity health coach based in LA. She is the author of Body Love and her new book, Body Love Every Day. I am so pumped to have you on, Kelly. I have been listening to your stuff and listening to you on other interviews, following you on Instagram for a few weeks now, and I absolutely love everything you preach, and I'm just super excited to have you here, so thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I feel like my, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, my schedule sort of cleared itself, so it's it's serendipitous that you DM'd me, so fun yeah. to chat. For sure. Just like we were chatting about before we started recording, the world is in such a weird place right now. And, you know, I think the only good thing really coming out of all of this is the time that we've we've now really been able to have for ourselves. I think that's the one thing I consistently see on social media. It's like, all right, so now is that time to, you know, work on yourself, journal, read that book you haven't read in ages, or just like be there for yourself. What do you kind of feel about that whole situation? It's honestly, yeah, I mean, it's if you really stay in the positive and focus on that, it's really beautiful to like be able to put your phone away and to cook most of your meals, if not all of your meals at home and to spend time with your family. I mean, I have a 17-month-old son named Sebastian and I took 6 months off when he was first born, but then I went back fully back to work seeing clients, you know, 6 to 8 clients a day and doing FaceTimes um, abroad and all kinds of stuff and then really getting going on my book tour. So to have it all kind of come to a halt um, at first was like a little jarring, but then it's like, I'm really loving it. Like mm. I'm really leaning into like getting good at making specific recipes that I love. And um, I have like a stack of eight books next to my bed right now um, that I've had and wanted to read for a long time. So you're, 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 you, what you're saying is exactly my experience. Just mm-hmm. my, I think like I'm calming down on a cellular level. Yeah, me too. hundred percent. Are you, so one thing that I've actually kind of been struggling with, um, like, I feel like I need more motivation than I normally do around this time. Like I'm like, okay, Mimi, we're going to, you know, work out at home, like eat super healthy, all this stuff. But then it's like, I just want to be cozy and, you know, watch TV with my boyfriend. Like, have you, been staying on top like the motivation and stuff I feel like a lot of girls um listening right now could probably relate like oh it's a bit hard to kind of you know stay super driven at this kind of time yeah no it really depends on I think it really depends on your job or your career um Mm -hmm. if you have to be a self-motivating entrepreneur or if you know you have a boss down your neck basically or down your throat I am a I'm an entrepreneur so I have to be uh, you know, self-motivated. What is so motivating for me is that because I have my son and my husband, um, we haven't had our nanny come um, mm-hmm. at least this week because I guess she had gone to church with like 
five to 600 people. And then everything came down. You know, we all, we heard in our neighborhood that like a number of people were infected with COVID-19. And so they said, you know, everyone needs to shelter in place here in Los Angeles. So we haven't had her come. And so what's been amazing this week, um, it has been that I, Chris and I are splitting time. So I'll have like two hours of time where he's like, okay, get your work done. And it's like really, really motivating because I only have a certain amount of time to tape podcasts, put something up on social, um, get back to my employee who lives in Texas, like really um, reach out to clients or do my little FaceTimes with them or check-ins with them. And so it's it's almost reminds me of when I was on mat leave because um, I, I took time off, but I would still contact people or respond to people via email. Um, but I would do it in very short periods of time, like two hours a day maybe. Um, and so what's great is having that block. And I would suggest it for people who don't have kids and don't have this sort of situation would be to schedule your home life because that's the best way to get things going. It only takes like three to four days and you'll just do it that way. So Mm -hmm. I, um, I wake up, I have a cup of coffee. I'll check my email, make sure there aren't any fire drills. And then I'll take my son for a walk just to like get him outside, um, get some vitamin D before the whole world tries to take their walk. (laughs) And then, um, I bring him back and then I'll, I'll get into work for two hours and then he'll go down for his nap. Um, and that's when I do some type of like online workout. So I actually just posted a bunch of, um, old school yoga that I love and like free, free online resources because people need that human connection. And so many of us are used to like working out in a studio or a big yoga, sweaty yoga class or having, you know, your soul cycle instructor or your spin instructor tell you like some magical quote that makes you feel like you want to, you know, ride as hard as you can. It's a lot, a lot different trying to get that done on your mat in your, in your house. Such good advice. And you're so right. Like this morning I did a bit of a workout. I was like, okay, Mimi, get out of the funk. Come on. You know, and I did a bit of a workout at home and I feel so much better. I got up, got ready, you know, did my hair, put a bit of tinted moisturizer on, not leaving the house, but you know, it was just to kind of feel better and it makes such a big difference. It really, really does. So yeah, it's so great. You have such a, you know, tight schedule in place. And I think that's really the only way to feel on top of it during this weird time. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So let's talk about health because, you know, you are a health idol for so many. Like, you are one of the most popular, you know, nutritionists, especially in California. And you have such an incredible story and your, you know, how you've evolved in your career is really commendable. Um, maybe for some people that haven't been introduced to your work yet, could we go through like a little tiny backstory on how you? maybe, you know, started in corporate and then decided to leave and jump into the health world and what that big driver was? Sure. Um, so I've always loved health and nutrition. I fell in love when, with health my um, when it was my science elective in high school. And then I was that girl who read every diet book in high school and in college. So Atkins, South Beach, um, you name it. And uh, probably ones you've never heard of, like Protein Power. Um, but uh then I went to college. Uh, I went to the University of Southern California and I was in the business school there as a finance major. And I remember calling my dad after I'd taken my senior year science courses. I took nature of human health and disease and biology and chemistry and called my dad in tears. I was like, I should have been pre-med. What was I thinking? Um, and he sort of chuckled on the phone and was like, well, if you want to pay for whatever, you know, however many more years it is in school, um, then you can do that. But uh, otherwise, I would consider. I, mean, I would suggest graduating. So, I um, 
I ended up hustling to get a concentration in nature of human health and disease. So I graduated with a business major and a concentration in disease and worked for large fortune five, um, fortune 500 companies like Johnson and Johnson and Stryker medical for the first couple of years out of school. And then, um, the last six years I spent in cancer and genetics. Um, so what I was able to do was work my way up in these, um, in these technology companies that were working, uh, with the, with, um, genetics. So what they did is they sequenced, um, solid state breast tumors and they were able to map the genome of these tumors and then understand what the feeding and driving pathway was. So a lot of the oncologists that had graduated school didn't understand this technology. It wasn't something that they were, um, you know, were taught in school. And so, I had eight West Coast states and um, the company was out of the Netherlands Cancer Institute. And my job every single day was to take scientific research and make it understandable to nurses and doctors and uh, my team so they could relay that information to their clients um, and really get doctors on board with new technology. So it was um, it was that job that really informed my career now, which, um, you know, when I would have to read the scientific research, I would find myself mining PubMed and Google Scholar and looking at the studies based on health and the studies around nutrition. And, you know, it wasn't intermittent fasting back in that day, but there were studies on ketosis. There were studies on um, omega-3s. It was just it was the wild, wild west, but really, really interesting because I had this skill set that so many other people, even graduating for, um, as a registered dietitian or um, you know, even as a doctor, they didn't maybe understand how to mine that research for for nutrition based studies, and I just did it for fun. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so cool, and it gives you such a great background, like knowing all these things and getting into the whole, you know, health and food space. It's it's so interesting because now you can kind of link that all together, um, and and that's why I think your your work has done so well. It's because it's like that deeper level, right? Yeah, I think what I was good at back then was taking really dense information and giving. Um, breaking it down in a way that my clients understood it and could apply it to their life, whether that was Mm -hmm. applying it to their patient's life or applying it to their own life. So what I do now is what I did then, which is really um, explain in a digestible way, the science of blood sugar, the science of inflammation, um, the science of hunger hormones. And when I make decisions or coach my clients to understand how to eat to feel their best or to lose weight or to clear acne or to deal with something like an autoimmune disease or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth like SIBO. Um, I'm really giving them the science so that they feel motivated to make the change. I absolutely Mm -hmm. do not believe in like eat and do not eat lists, PDFs, that's not the way that I operate. Like my clients have to meet me halfway and be willing to learn the science. And I think that's what sets me apart. Um, And that's what my books do. My books are really set out to teach you if you've never understood blood sugar, why certain decisions that you're making throughout the day are causing a cascade of cravings or, um, or having you overeat, or maybe you can start to even just decipher what you can do with your own meals, how to make them more satisfying, more filling, how to help them balance your blood sugar a little bit better. Because when you start to understand the science of food, you start to feel your best, you start to eat that way. And then um, 
your goals come a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I cannot wait to pick your brain about all of this because you know, everyone listening right now is probably thinking the same thing. It's like, can you, A, can you, because the, the big thing with the diet world is that everyone thinks that you need to feel hunger to lose weight. So what I'm thinking is that a lot of people are now wondering, like, is there a way to eat a sufficient amount and feel satisfied after a meal and lose weight at the same time and have balanced hormones and have, you know, good skin? Like, is there really that perfect kind of combination that we can reach? And I know the answer is yes. I'm just wondering, like, how do, what do you tell your clients to do to reach that ultimate, you know, ultimate them from a health perspective and be like, how long does it usually take? Yeah. Um, well, I have clients who have like movie role deadlines and they have six to eight weeks to be, to get prepared. And I can turn that around. We can turn that around pretty quickly. Um, but they trust me implicitly and, uh, they are using science as a backing. So, um, what I talk about in my books and what I talk about with my clients is something called the fab four. And those are the four things that I'm looking for you to have on your plate at every meal. Um, and that's protein, uh, healthy fat, fiber, and leafy greens. And, um, really simply it's, it's protein and vegetables, right. With some kind of clean cooking oil. Um, but what I think the biggest problem is, is a lot of people nowadays are reading or watching documentaries that aren't based in science. Um, and they're suggesting that people completely stop eating animal protein, um, which is fine. But what I see as a problem is that people have low protein, whether they're vegetarian or plant, um, simply um, vegan or whether even some that are meat eating, animal eating are low in protein. And what we see with low protein is protein makes all your amino acids. So, or protein is amino acids. It makes all your hormones. So, um, and all of your neurotransmitters. So human growth hormone, testosterone, the hormones that we as females need specifically to hold on to lean muscle mass, we have very little of it and we make a small amount. And so with the protein deficiency, you're not going to make those types of hormones as readily. Um, and then when it comes to neurotransmitters, these are like serotonin and dopamine, your happy hormones, um, that, uh, that really affect your mood. And what happens when we're feeling depressed or stressed is we crave carbohydrates and sugar. Again, if we don't have enough of those happy hormones, we're going to crave the things that aren't great for our waistline. So, um, so I, I think protein can be one of the one of the biggest changes that I can make in someone's diet, and I do it most often with my smoothie formula um, because people can choose whatever protein powder that they would like to use, whether that's like a pea protein or a collagen protein or a grass-fed beef protein or a whey protein. I mean, it really is a choose-your-own-adventure type of a – I'm a choose-your-own-adventure type of a nutritionist, and Love I it. really like my clients to like lean into how they like to eat, but um, on average – I mean, even the government here in the United States will tell you that uh, less than uh, 50 grams of protein or 40, 45-ish is protein deficient. And that's really like, a, that's a level that can create disease in the body. So when you think about mm -hmm. every single cell in your body, from your muscle cells to your skin cells, they need protein um, to make uh, cell walls and, and, and the, the components of your cells. So, um, if you think about it, if you're not, if you don't have enough protein, your body's breaking itself down and it's, it's rebuilding itself. Um, and it's rebuilding itself with broken down cells. And sometimes we don't have enough. And so a good example of this is like, if a mom has just had a baby and she's breastfeeding and she's not, doesn't have a high enough protein intake, what you'll see is massive hair loss 
broken nails, really tired, dull skin. And that's because your body, their bodies are giving everything to their baby because their ba- your breast milk contains protein. Um, so super, super important that we're getting enough protein. Um, and it can be something where people are supplementing with a supplement if they don't feel like if, you know, if, if they have a real life decision to not have protein. But um, first thing in the morning, research has been there forever that about 20 grams of protein on average uh, will deplete any of those sugar and carbohydrate cravings that happen at three or four in the afternoon. And that can oh be a time. God. I didn't even know that. Are you serious? If you just have protein in the morning, it curbs that afternoon sugar craving because that's something I experience every day. <laughs> that's what everyone experiences. So it's, and it, most of the time is because they have a low amount of protein. If you think about one or two eggs, for example, one egg is only six grams of protein. So when people say, oh, I had like a piece of gluten-free toast, a half an avocado and two eggs, I'm like, great, that's 12 grams of protein. Three or you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon, expect chocolate cravings. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just the way it is. So, um, you know, it, it, enough protein can really regulate. It is, it is known to be the, the macronutrient that has the ability to, um, naturally cause a, a calorie deficit because you're not hungry. It regulates more than half of your hunger hormones and people report having in, in uh, observational studies in nutrition, report having less obsessive thoughts about food, less binge eating, and a better outlook on life. So there is something to be said about some people having protein deficiency. You would never really know, like unless it was severe, you would never really know it. But I'll tell you, my clients notice a difference if they're working out, whether they're doing dance or yoga or Pilates or lifting, they'll notice a a major difference in their body's um, ability to hold on to lean muscle mass. Um, And the hard part is, is that I'm not telling people to be a bodybuilder. I'm not telling you to have 200 grams of protein per, you know, pound of body mass. This is not muslebuilding.com. Like that is not what I'm talking about here. I am talking about a sufficient amount of protein to like sustain life, feel your best, create new collagen in your, in your skin so that you're, you know, the problem when people go on these really strict and short little stints of dieting is they lose weight. But what they end up breaking down is the proteins in their body, like collagen that keep youth. And so you're young and you're youthful. And my suggestion to you would be not to do anything super drastic. You can take advantage of things like intermittent fasting or caloric restriction as anti-aging techniques, but never would I tell you to, um, to not have protein in that in, um, in your day. Mm -hmm. I love everything you're saying because it really, I I've seen that difference in myself. Uh, you don't know much about me, but I've been through a huge, you know, huge journey with my own health and my own eating habits. I've gone through like, you know, a year and a half ago, I was like really strict keto for a bit. Then I was like more plant-based and then I kind of found this perfect medium. So for the past year, I've been a lot more balanced and I feel like I've reached that weight that I feel like I'm, you know, I I feel and look my best in and I'm definitely still in that journey where I want to, you know, figure out exactly, you know, how I want to feel on a day-to-day basis and reach exactly how I want to look on a day-to-day basis. And I'm really, really close to being there, but it's been a whole journey of self-exploration and trialing so many different things. And the one thing, Kelly, that I'll tell you that makes me always feel my best is eating a more paleo based diet 
and eating protein at every meal. And yes, high quality protein. I know you're an advocate of this as well. It's like always try to get the best protein you can, like, you know, like grass fed animals or organic meats or, you know, pasture raised eggs, like always the top quality. And I know you can agree on that, but, you know, eating more protein and less processed food is always the best idea. And I always feel my best mentally, physically, I'm less hungry, I overeat less. It's really the thing that's helped me the most. But you know, it's so challenging, especially in today's day and age, because like, I, I know people listening to like, we follow people on Instagram, where it's like, this vegan health guru, and she looks glowing and lean. And she says, eat all the carbs, you don't need all the protein. Like, I feel like there are really two different sides to this. I'm more on the protein side, as, as I've just said, but you know, why do these people um, that some of them I follow, you know, on Instagram look so great and say that they feel so great, and they're vegan, like low protein, like, is it because we're built differently? Or it's just like, you know, I don't know, like just different bodies or different beliefs. And maybe your mind controls how you feel in that sense. Like I, I, that's one thing I'm really confused about. Cause it's like, you know, there are those two parallels that I can't seem to just like understand, I guess. Yeah. Um, so if you're following someone online that is, um, you know, prominent vegan and they, and they're, and they feel amazing, then I'm, then, then that's their body and their bio individuality. And, and that's, I'm happy that they feel good. I think what people don't realize is I'm a um, a clinical nutritionist. I work with functional MDs here in Los Angeles. These are cash pay doc- VIP doctors that work with my sort of like high high priority or high profile clients here in Los Angeles. And the hard part for us is when we look at blood tests. So when someone is 100% plant based and someone is does eat a very clean meat-based, like a paleo style diet, that is, we're comparing two um, really healthy eaters, right? I'm not comparing a sad American diet of meat and potatoes from God knows where and, you know, lots of alcohol and smoking or whatever it is to someone who's plant-based, which I think is really hard because that's what you see in the media. You, Mm -hmm. you see the comparison of those type of blood tests, which, really are inflammatory foods and fried foods versus someone who's like eating a lot of plants. Um, When we compare a paleo style diet or a Mediterranean style diet, which is a protein, you know, a healthy protein and produce um, heavy diet. When we compare those two things, um, we see better omega-3, better omega essential fatty acid profiles with the meat eater. We see better iron, um, profiles, which iron is the delivery mechanism of oxygen to your entire body, to every cell in your body. Um, we see higher amino acid levels. So that's what I was talking about, your hormones, um, all of your neurotransmitters, um, your body's ability to break down cells and rebuild those cells, your body's ability to synthesize new collagen internally to keep off, you know, ward off aging. When we're comparing those two, um, the majority of the time, the protein eater feels better and their profiles are better. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's really hard when you see when you see big uh national studies where they're just doing community-based observational studies and they're asking people, do you eat meat? Do you are you vegetarian or vegan or do you eat meat? Because obviously if someone's vegetarian or vegan just randomly, they're they either they're caring about 
putting vegetables in their body and they're more cognizant of what they're eating versus someone who is being observed. That's just like, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I eat wherever and like I I eat meat. Right. So that's the hard part. Another thing to take, um, take note of is that in my, in the last eight years of working with functional MDs here in LA, what we see people quit or the timeline of someone being vegan, um, when we're working with them on average, um, they stop being vegan after about a year or a year and a half. And that's because their body there, they deal with deficiencies that they have an inability to reverse, or they're not being stringent enough with supplementation to keep levels high enough to feel their best. So we're talking Mm -hmm. about B6 and B12. Now remember B vitamins. If you think about how, I don't know, I'm going to take you back to science, but the Krebs cycle and your body's mitochondria, the ability, their little ability to burn sugar and or fat for fuel. So glucose or ketones, um, their body, your, their, those little machines, their ability to burn that stuff, that's like the gas and the B vitamins are the oil. I mean, that's energy, that cellular gives those cells energy and allows for them to burn sugar or burn fat. So that's your body's ability to that's mitochondrial function. That's really, really important for you feeling your best, feeling sharp, being able to feel like your brain is firing on all cylinders and that you really feel your best, whether that's like a physical energy, mood, all of it. So mm-hmm. those are the kind of things other than, I mean, we see iron, we see B vitamin deficiencies, I see zinc deficiencies. Um, and then what can happen is, uh, you know, for some people, you can't, they can't end up with, um, an omega imbalance, which can cause, um, inflammation and chronic acne and things like that. So, um, so don't get me wrong. I have probably 15 to 20% of my practice who are healthy, um, and very high functioning and very, mature, I would say, uh, responsible vegans and vegetarians, where we've look at, we look at their blood tests, we know what's going on, we supplement accordingly. But that's also something for me that kind of comes up and gives me pause is, if this is the healthiest diet out there, why do I have to supplement these clients to keep their blood levels in a range of optimal? Mm-hmm. Why can't we get it from food? And so that's what we see when we when we have clients who are eating. That's another thing that goes back to the protein. And so when I have clients who are eating 100% grass fed beef, bison, lamb, wild salmon, you know these like really nice cuts of meat. I mean, red meat is one of the ways that I've brought back periods for girls who have um, have lost their period based on like eating disorders, um, hard dieting, hormonal imbalance, deficiency, and their period has um, stopped. One of the ways that I bring it back is by including and increasing the red meat that they're eating. And I I mean, I got an email two days ago from a client that said, I don't want to jinx it, but I've had my period twice. And this is crazy. I, she hadn't had it in four years. Oh so God. these are the kind of things where there, there has to be something there. I mean, it's it red meat is one of the, the First of all, I think it's a multivitamin when it comes to the amount of amino acids you're getting, branch chain amino acids, and the amount of omega threes and B vitamins, and just just the bioavailability and the nutrient density present in that type of a protein. It's just gotten such a bad reputation. I honestly cannot wait for this documentary called Sacred Cow to come out because it's like an actual scientific review of what it looks like in the body to eat pasture raised red meat and how, how like just 
bioavailable these nutrients are to cells and how that can just change the way you feel every single day. So obviously I, I turn into a really big nerd when we start to talk about this stuff. Yes, but, I love it. But I think so many times, especially here in Los Angeles, I work with clients and they're bloated and they like have dual skin and they don't feel their best and they're following some kind of weird juicing, all the carb, processed, vegan, weird fake proteins, all of this stuff. And I'm like, your body doesn't know what that stuff is. It's soy, gluten, and pea protein wrapped up in really inflammatory oils like safflower and sunflower oil. And you're covering it with an acellular flour-based bun and you're expecting not to feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Like I just, that just, it's, it's really hard. So I, if someone wants to be vegan or vegetarian with me, I am all on board for that, but we, we are eating whole foods. It's like, yeah. it's all the, all the produce it's doing it right. We're sprouting nuts and seeds. We're sprouting grains. Um, we're, you know, we're soaking things as needed. We're making those nutrients bioavailable for them. And we're decreasing the anti-nutrients like phytic acid and lectins mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's just a lot more work, but it's doable. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So I've recently just, you know, over the past few months started eating a bit more red meat, obviously always the top quality stuff that I can find. But how many times a week do you recommend a woman, a young woman to eat a high quality piece of red meat, whether that be lamb or or steak or whatever it is? Um, I probably average every other day right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have no problem if someone's getting like we get ButcherBox and Thrive Market which are two protein delivery companies here in the States. Um, We get those delivered in a freezer box to our house. Um, And so I wouldn't think twice having that every single day if I was eating those. Um, But I would say I'm having it every other day. So, you know, for people who don't have red meat at all right now, I would say I'd go one to three times a week and just see how you feel. And then what about chicken and fish? Um, You know, is there one what's like the best protein A and B? Like, is there any protein to avoid? Um, you know, I, I know some people say that poultry is worse than red meat or I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is worse when you think about like it's um, – it, it, it just depends on what we're comparing. It's, so, it's like apples to oranges plus like environment, right? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, if you're sourcing it appropriately, um, it's just not as nutrient dense. Like if you compare – the iron levels, if you hear the protein levels, if you hear the B vitamin levels, um, the vitamin D levels. I mean, like if you're eating pasture raised cows, those cows eat grass and they're out in the sun and it is like eating sunshine. Like you're getting, you're getting the vitamin D that your body needs. You're not going to get that same nutrient level from poultry. And so, um, you know, but poultry was so big and popular for so long because it's the lean meat, like Mm -hmm. it's the lean white meat. And people think like it makes you skinny. but in my opinion, you know, I'd rather have wild fish like salmon or lamb or bison over that stuff. So mm-hmm. if that means I'm having red meat every single day, I think I'd rather have that because I, I am all about nutrient quality. I want to look at my plate and be like, oh, that's amazing. I have broccoli sprouts and I have kale and I have organic Meyer lemon mixed with like the best olive oil I can get my hands on. And it's very, very, very simple. Like putting the like recipe testing for my book to create like really fun recipes. I'm like, I eat so simply. I'm roasting veggies. I'm like roasting proteins and we're, you know, saucing it up with like my favorite fat sauce, whether that's like a pesto or a chimichurri or 
-hmm. like an lemon vinaigrette that just has like bright garlic and salt and pepper in it. Like I'm very like Ina Garten style, like pretty simple. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard. What I normally do is we just, we just, when I'm working with clients, it's just meal by meal and day by day. Um, and I really love habits. Like if I can get someone to get serious about increasing the nutrient density of one meal a day that they eat, that can make all the difference because especially if it's at breakfast and they get on board with putting like 20 grams of collagen in a smoothie with avocado and spinach and kale and lemon. And if they need a little sweet, adding blueberries, great. Like they're getting that protein. They're getting all those veggies. They're getting fiber. And what ends up happening is they feel really great and they're really proud of themselves and they cyclically eat better. So instead of beating themselves down and being like, oh, you had a gluten-free bagel for breakfast. You should feel bad about it or something stupid like that. They instead can take the momentum of eating clean and feeling great into their next meal. And -hmm. I think regulating hunger hormones has such a big uh, component, is such a big component of that because if I can get someone to regulate their hunger hormones, then what I'm able to do, what they're able to do is make better choices at lunch and at dinner. But if they're riding a blood sugar roller coaster and they're having processed carbohydrates or they're having, um, you know, a lot of highly high sugar carbohydrates. Like I've seen people who are fruititarians or, you know, mm-hmm. girls who sit down to big plates of fruit and yeah, your body can metabolize that really quickly. Yes. You're going to have a bowel movement and feel skinnier, but what's going to happen is your blood sugar is going to spike and the fructose that you just ate needs to be metabolized in your liver. And the hard part is, is if you're young and you drank the night before your liver is already metabolizing alcohol in that exact same pathway. So what doesn't fit is actually converted to a triglyceride and stored as fat. So there are, I'm sure, thin girls on the internet posting, you know, bathing suit pictures with a big bowl of fruit. But the hard part We've is all seen them. <laughs> the hard part with that is is that there's no science behind that. And they, you know, that might be what they're having for breakfast, but they may not be eating until six at night. You know? Mm-hmm. And if they're not if you're, you have to be a hundred percent committed to something like that. And still in that case, I'm worried about protein deficiency and I'm worried about fatty liver.